When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton, my dear comrades. Still? Yep. <laughs> for now. <laughs> for the time being. Yeah, for, for, for at least the next hour. All right, Spencer, what are we doing this week? <laughs> this week, we're going to be covering episodes 13, 14, and 15 of season 7 of the 1987 Digital Cartoon. All right, so that is Elementary, My Dear Turtle, The End of the European Vacation, and then Night of the Dark Turtle and the Star Child. So as Keith said, Elementary, My Dear Turtle is the final episode of the European uh, Vacation Side Season, which we are legally obligated to remind everybody that is not technically part of Season 7. It is uh, originally produced between episode or Season 4 and 5 and chronologically takes place around then. Uh, so that means technically uh, Night of the Dark Turtle is the first episode of season seven. Yes. And as I'm legally required to tell you, we use the term legally required very liberally on this podcast. Uh, no, I checked with my lawyer. He said we have to say that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that explains where all the podcast funds are going then. As yeah. The, I, the I'm, just deducting from, I'm just deducting from the account. Sorry. Okay. I, I'll That's why we're still in the red. I'll submit an expense yeah. report, and that way, it's fine. It's fine. We'll write it off. We'll, we'll write it off. What write it off means. <laughs> we'll write it, it off. Somebody writes it off. Yeah. yeah. The government? I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, that always that sunny bit, isn't it? No. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Shit's Creek. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've just heard that somewhere else. Then. Who it do you think like writes it off, David? <laughs> David? Ew, David. Good show. That's a great show. Speaking of shows, let's tell you a story. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. Elementary, my dear turtle, is the 13th episode of the Vacation in Europe side season, written by Dennis O'Flattery. Uh, original air date was sometime in 1992 in Europe, but here in the good old land of the free... Uh, Home of the Brave, October 30th, 1993. Back in England, the Turtles are listening to a historical lecture which Michelangelo finds too tedious to continue listening to. To escape, he launches himself out of a catapult. While the Turtles enjoy pizza, April leaves for Oxford to tape an interview with a famed historian. Splinter chides Michelangelo for his lack of interest in history, pointing out that the seeds of tomorrow's events are the results of today. The Turtles turn on the TV and hear a news report about the invention of an advanced atomic clock, which piques Donatello's interest. 
Later that night, they sneak into the lab where it's kept, but as Donatello touches it, the device suddenly generates a whirlwind that deposits them in a strange, opulent observatory. A man snatches the atomic clock from Donatello and runs away with it, but not before revealing himself to be Professor Moriarty. As the turtles chase Moriarty, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson arrive and literally run into Donatello. The turtles realize that they've traveled a century back in time and Leonardo is thrilled for the chance to meet Sherlock Holmes in the flesh. The legendary detective takes them back to Baker Street, only to be interrupted by Inspector Lestrade, who brings news of Moriarty, stealing scientific equipment from all over Europe. Just then, one of Moriarty's goons aims his air gun and shoots at a bust of Holmes through his front window. The turtles take a train to Oxford, where Leonardo uses his own deductive skills to track the would-be assassin down into the sewers. They soon find Moriarty's hideout, but he refuses to give back the atomic clock, which is a central part of his time machine that he is building. The turtles find themselves in the present once again, but are horrified to find that armed troops are parading through the streets with the emperor of the world, Professor Moriarty. They're chased by his armed goons and end up in the river and then encounter an alternate version of April who is working alongside alternate versions of Byrne and Vernon to thwart Moriarty. Fortunately, they know where the time machine is and are able to take the turtles there. April also gives a hungry Michelangelo an apple to eat. Unfortunately, Moriarty has predicted their plan and is waiting for them. Donatello manages to grab the atomic clock in the ensuing fight, and another time whirlwind is triggered that deposits them back in their own timeline. Moriarty is also there, and he tries to steal the atomic clock again, but the turtles are able to stop him, only for him to vanish back into the past. Michelangelo tosses the atomic clock into the night watchman as the turtles flee the building. The turtles return to the London sewers where Splinter and April are waiting for them, and much to April's surprise, her bag is holding an apple core. Bum, bum, bum. What does it mean? What does it mean? All right, next up. Get ready to strap in, because we're back to David Wise episodes. This is Night of the Dark Turtles, Season 7, Episode 14. As I said, written by David Wise, an original air date, actually the same as the last one, October 30th, 1993. So, April is doing a report on some new life-size robotic dinosaurs at the Natural History Museum. Don't forget it, because it'll be important later. Donatello gets in a small tough with his brothers in the sewer layer about how he'd rather use his brains than fight, and also claims that if he needed a fight, he could take on Shredder himself. Luckily, his early detection alarm goes off, alerting them to Shredder working with a scientist to make a microblaster, a super tiny ray gun that's like about the size of a maybe AA battery. Bebop and Rocksteady accidentally break it, and the scientist escapes. Shredder sends Bebop and Rocksteady after him. The turtles show up and fight Shredder and a bunch of foot soldiers. Donatello does try to take on the Shredder by himself, but he's thrown into an electric generator. The turtles retreat with their injured brother. Uh, hard cut suddenly to alien spaceships headed towards Earth to conquer it. Don't forget that because that'll be important later too. Uh, in the sewer layer, Donatello wakes up, but he's got the brain scramblies. He's super gruff, Christopher Nolan-style Batman guy now, and he's obsessed with stopping the Shredder. His brothers try to stop him, but Donatello decides to make a disguise based on the Midnight Avenger, a poor Batman ripoff comic book. He then sneaks out of the lair using the old pillows under the cover bit and a smoke bomb. End of Act 1. That's all just Act 1. Act 2. Donatello's running around town while the turtles are trying to stop him. Don gets away, and Splinter calls the other turtles back to the lair. 
cut to Shredder at the docks, hiring some goons from a local mobster. Cut again to the alien ship's landing. It's the Triceratons. They claim Earth as part of the Triceraton Empire. Now, back to Splinter. He called the Turtles to tell them to come home to check on Don's alarm system so they could then go back out and see what the alarm was about. Okay? Meanwhile, Don's busting up a bunch of low-level crooks looking for any info on Shredder. One of them reveals Shredder was hiring some mobster goons to, for a job. The job is to divert some security guards' attention so he can get into a lab to work on his microblaster. Back to Don, he runs across Bebop and Rocksteady, who, if you remember, were looking for that scientist earlier. Uh, and after being the, defeated, they accidentally reveal the location of the mobster that Shredder was contacting for goons for a job. The doc, Dark Turtle finds the mobster and squeezes him for info on the Shredder. Meanwhile, the Triceratons have successfully conquered a city block when the Turtles come to stop them. But they're like super duper outmatched. However, the Turtles, I'm sorry, the Triceratons do say that they don't usually fight other reptiles. Remember that because it'll be important later. Uh, the Turtles decide to bring in the Turtle Van for some extra firepower, but they are easily bested and the Turtle Van is incapacitated. The Triceratons set up a Stargate generator, which will, pull, which will pull Earth through to the other Triceraton homeworlds, where it will be stripped for resources, humans enslaved for slave labor, and burned to cinders. That's the end of Act 2. Final Act, Act 3. Leo figures that they need a plan to stop the Triceratons' uh, super-powered equipment, but that's usually Donatello's department, and he's still running around like Batman. Shredder's working on his microblaster when the Dark Turtle attacks. The other turtles are able to track him down and arrive just in time to stop Don from throwing Shredder to his death. But accidentally, Michelangelo knocks Donatello into yet another generator. This resets his brain scramblies. The turtles explain what's going on to Don, and he comes up with a plan. Since the Triceratons don't attack other reptiles, they're going to get those robot dinosaurs from Act 1 back in the museum. The robot dinosaurs, they throw off the Triceratons and destroy some of their gear, but the Triceratons are like, well, it, they're going to attack us, you know, it's, it's them or us, and they start shooting the dinosaurs. Donatello shows up, back in his dark turtle gear, he confronts the Triceratons and claims to be the reptile defender of Earth, one of the most powerful reptiles in the universe. Now, he stuck that microblaster that the Shredder was working on into his hood, so now he can kind of like look at things and it makes it look like he's uh, using eye lasers to instantly destroy cars and buildings. The Triceratons are like stupid intimidated and they flee, leaving Earth alone. The other turtles shower down with praise and they all go home to eat pizza. The end. Riveting storytelling. All right, that brings us to my episode number 15, The Star Child. This episode aired November 6th of 1993. I'm, maybe. Uh, that's what it says on the TMNTpedia page. But on IMBD, uh, uh, it said uh, September of 1993. Uh, either way, for sure it came out in 1993. These release dates are all over the place. There's there's like other parts of Turtlepedia where it has different release dates. I don't think anyone really knows. So yeah. Uh, around that time. So this episode was written by David Wise. Now, the Turtles are checking out a junkyard when an alien spaceship crash lands there. They check out the wreckage and find a rambunctious alien child named Quirks. Another ship lands and outsteps another alien named Draco. Draco attacks Quirks, so the Turtles defend him and chase him off. Draco calls for backup and warns the Turtles that Quirks is incredibly dangerous. The turtles take Quirks back to their lair, 
where they have a hard time keeping him under control, especially since he is now exhibiting telekinetic powers. They try to get him to settle down and give them answers to what's going on and why he's being hunted, but they're not his dad, so he won't listen. He takes off out of the lair, and the turtles have to hunt him down again. Leo and Splinter check out the ship for clues and learn that Quirks was given superpowers by his father to end the wars that plagued his planet, but he couldn't raise and train his son before he had to depart. Probably this life. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's the 80s. They can't, they can't say died. Meanwhile, a massive fleet of aliens awaits to either have Quirks handed over or they'll blow up Earth. The other three turtles have lured Quirks to play in a park, but Draco has other plans. He shows up and tries to use a mind control device to make Quirks his own personal weapon. The turtles stop him, and then suddenly Quirks' dad appears and tells him to grow up. Quirk makes himself grow up. He immediately fixes everything and apologizes because he's mature now. He leads the fleet away from Earth to end war. It turns out that his dad didn't actually reappear. It was Splinter doing a ninja mind trick. The end. <laughs> the fastest the end in the world. Yeah, I was like, you wanted to get out of that episode real fast. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to bury the lead here, but that was actually possibly my favorite one of these three. Really? Yeah. I, well, so I, I can't far, imagine why. So far, this season has been pretty good going in. I, I actually, I actually kind of like it. Like, like, Starting you with mean, Night of the Dark mean, Turtle. I was going to say, like, the actual season seven is... The, the actual season seven, outside yeah. of the European <laughs> vacation. Uh, all right, so let's uh, second time around this thing. Hey, uh, nice junk. All right, so Elementary, My Dear Turtle. Uh, this is clearly the... a reference to Sherlock Holmes, right? Uh, clearly. I, I, mean, I, don't know. I, had a jo- I had a joke, but I can't remember it now. Uh, <laughs> Um, this is the final time that we see the original title sequence without the whooshing. Oh, wow. We're all in wind tunnels from now on. Yeah, it's all, it's back, which honestly was kind of, kind of jarring to go back to, (laughs) (laughs) but also like I was kind of, I kind of felt at home because I got so used to it too. Yeah. But also um, getting to hear Michelangelo as a party dude and seeing him just get absolutely mobbed by foot ninjas. Yeah. yeah. Missed, Whenever yeah, I think of that. party dudes, it's always getting beaten up by faceless goons. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like another thing that I realized is like it it feels so funny and kind of lame that like when the turtles jump in, it's like uh, Leonardo's like looking at the camera goes, we're really hip. Like, yeah. It's such, it's such a like a like hey fellow kids kind of kind of thing to say like directly to camera yeah yeah making them say the chuck lorry parts i i don't like it yeah i i'm not i'm not a fan of that um so because this episode uh takes place in merry old london town i reached out to my best buddy james who lives in merry old london town uh to ask him how historically accurate this episode was (laughs) and uh he told me I already feel like I'm being slurred. Mm. So it was already off to a great start. So are you telling me that Moriarty didn't actually pull a Perdegaton and like you know, tried to use technology from the future to conquer the past? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know what that word means. 
So, but, so he's, a, he's a bad guy from DC. Yeah. Oh nope, not a DC guy. Remember? Yeah, I, I know. could I could have been good at business, but instead I know who Per Degaton is. But <laughs> unprompted, I haven't heard his name in years. But here I am. I don't know. I've been uh, reading uh, All Star Squadron lately, and so that'll do it. Yeah. So he he made a cool point that like I thought was kind of interesting. Um, was that uh, by the time this episode had aired originally in 1990, uh, what did we say, 91 in Europe? I think it was 92 in Europe. 92. Um, so only a few Sherlock Holmes stories were in the public domain at that point, and only the early one, which he said was Studying Scarlet, Sign of the Four, uh, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and Memoirs of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and he said specifically, these are all like the way Sherlock and Moriarty and um, Watson and Lestrade all act in these. He goes, it's basically using the characterizations of the early books. All the characters it uses are pre 1896. Huh. Interesting. Huh. So I thought that I thought that was like an interesting thing that like. Uh, I didn't see I've, I haven't heard anybody discuss on that, so, yeah. So did Moriarty in the books go to the future? Well, you know, get technology <laughs> from the future to conquer the past. I mean, that may or may not have been accurate. I like that. Like, okay. you know, we, we've, we've talked about it um, before with like the Greece episode going to Atlantis, like the turtles go back in time and a literary character is alive <laughs> running around. Yeah. Like the, the going through time Moriarty thing is really more of a Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century kind of idea. I miss that was a good show. It's it's reverse Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Right. Yeah. There's a part though. It's, uh, in the but he he uh he closed he closed his critical analysis uh for me with saying the people making classic TMNT have a rudimentary grasp of public domain content, a rickety one on voice acting, and a non-existent one on narrative quality. uh i don't remember if this is the only episode of 87 he's actually watched but but i know it's the most recent uh there is a part where michelangelo says he recognizes is it lestat lestat lestrade lestrade there we go he recognizes him from sherlock holmes and the spider woman which was a real movie was it really yeah i looked it up it was a real and it, it did have lestrade in it so there you go that is fascinating. I also found it fascinating that their trench coat disguises are purple in this episode for some reason. And it like it's the same color that Donatello's like mask is. So yeah. it just looks like it just looks like his mask is a part of the hat. Right. Uh, also, no shredder, no crane. There you go. Well, yeah, they didn't exist back then. It would have been really interesting. You did Sherlock though. Holmes. It would have been really interesting. <laughs> uh, Technically. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> it would have been really interesting to have Moriarty show up in like in the future and have Shredder and Krang be part of the resistance. Yeah, that would have been cool. Like that that would have been really neat. Um I don't I don't know where to put this in what section. Like I don't know if it goes in here, or I don't know if it goes in uh anchovies or I love being a turtle, but like Okay. So they go into like the future alternate alternate universe that Moriarty has created at this point. Not only is April still in Europe and now British in this universe, in this timeline, but Byrne and Vernon are also there like wearing like British Bobby 
uniforms yeah. and part of that resistance. It was just a callback to the movie that had come out earlier that year, you know, TMNT three turtles in time. But like, what? no, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a Casey Jones in the past, right? Right. That was his ancestor. That was an entirely different. No, this was burn and Vernon in the future. Like it was in, it was back in 1993. Look, what they don't tell you is that it's Burn Thompson, the thirtieth. You know, like like the the the, the seventh. You know, <laughs> he messed up. He messed up history that much. That was to say, did he create a whole new genealogy? <laughs> yeah, but no, like so, so. I just thought it was funny that like, but but not only that, like those two are fighting in this resistance, like they like a totally different career path, totally different country of origin, uh, and. Like they're fighting in this resistance, but also April looks exactly the same. She's just British now. <laughs> the inconspicuous yellow trench coat. Or not trench coat, jumpsuit, excuse me. But yeah, like I said, I didn't know where to put that. It was it just <laughs> I was just I trying to do thing. this logic. Like the second time around is not just for Easter eggs, but just the random things that stood out to you and it stood out to you and you have to say something about it. I had to say something about it because like, it was literally driving feelings. me nuts. It was driving <laughs> <Yeah>. me nuts. <laughs> Either good or bad. It's just nut driving. It's just it's just something it's just something that like once you realize what it is, it's not gonna it's always gonna stick out to you. So Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ready for the dark turtle? Yeah. So they mentioned that there's vibrations coming from under the earth and they assume it's the technodrome, but isn't the technodrome still at the bottom of the ocean at this point? Yes, but they do like, have they, haven't they sent some of their like transports that like tunnel still and then come, come up. Oh, he was here in the transports. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense then. All right. I like that you opened with that and not that this is the first and only appearance of the Triceratons. Yeah, it's kind of cool, but like, what a weird episode for them to be in. It's this this episode is going to be all my enjoyments. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, a bizarre side plot, but the other it's, thing that uh, it, it's it's so bizarre. But yeah, so this is the first and only time that the Triceratons like iconic. I I don't I wouldn't call them iconic at this point in Ninja Turtles like. They were because they were only in Mirage at this point. Well, I and, feel like if you'd read Mirage, they're iconic to you, probably. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, at this point in Turtle Mania, how many people had read Mirage at this point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like your your introduction was either this show or the toy, not probably not the comic. And well, by this point, the Archie comics were already outselling Mirage. Yeah, and I don't remember a Triceraton ever appearing there. There wasn't. Yeah, and so. And so, so it's, it's just, it's really weird that like, this is how they got introduced, but it's like, there's such kind of throwaway characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, they literally throw them away on this. They episode. literally throw yeah. them away. <laughs> <laughs> and they do, they do say, um, they're going to take earth to the Triceraton home worlds, which is accurate to the comic. They, they do call like their system of hollowed out asteroids, the home worlds. But they also say it's the Triceraton Empire, yeah. not the Triceraton Republic. So it hits and misses there. Like, yeah, because I think, like, the, I mean, you say Empire, you're still kind of in that, like, Star Wars Empire. Like, mm -hmm. that's the bad guys kind of thing. 
Um, the security guards that Shredder confronts are Manny, Moe, and Jack, the mascots of Pep Boys, the automotive repair chain. I didn't know they had names. Oh, yeah. Those, those three guys on the Pep Boys sign, Manny, yeah, Moe, and Jack. Okay. I mostly also, know from that episode of The Simpsons. Guys, where are you going at this hour? You're going to scratch your heads. Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, Treehouse of Horror when all the mascots yeah, come into life. Attack of the 50-foot ice. Yeah, Attack of the 50-foot, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a good, just don't look. Just don't look. Yeah, Guaranteed you would in Tennessee. Sorry, Spencer, you were saying something. That's a great episode. Uh, they, they also mentioned Casey Jones in this episode. You know, he's only been in like three or four episodes. In this Wait, when did they mention him? Like right uh, at the said, end. Yeah, they said that like Donatello was acting nuttier than Casey Jones or acting in a way that made Casey Jones look sane or something along oh, those lines. Oh, I missed that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So they, they mentioned him existing, which is nice. I mean, he's coming back this season at least, so. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Donatello also says the famous, I believe it's famous Batman line, isn't it, from uh, possibly the Frank Miller comics where it says criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Well, it's I not from not just from Batman Frank Miller. Uh, I think it's from like the first appearance of Batman. It's re- yeah, it's it's oh, it's from, the very first appearance of it's, Batman. Yeah, Detective it's, Comics twenty seven. Yeah, like yeah, that's one of uh-huh. the very first things. Like when the origin of Batman is revealed. Uh, yeah, he it's literally him. Uh, Supervillains are a superstitious and cowardly lot. I need to find out a way to inspire fear in them. And then that's when the bat crashes through his window. Yeah. Cool that they brought it in here, though. Yeah, like it. This was it was neat. Um, There's another part where like um, Leonardo says like he's gone totally bats, and then Michelangelo's like a uh, uh, trademark infringement. Yeah, don't push it. You know, kind yeah, of don't, don't push it. <laughs> yeah. But Batman the animated series did already start airing at this point. It had aired the year previous. Like it would have <laughs> began airing. Oh yeah, and so I imagine it was probably also already catching on, and so this was yeah, because like parody, because it wasn't until like the Batman, like the '89 movie, that really like brought Batman back in the forum or like the like the public interest. Because for years, Batman '66 had kind of damaged the brand. Yeah, um, which I mean, I love Batman '66, but I love campy stuff, so um, that's you know that's my bag, but. Like, because it wasn't super. I mean, it, Batman sixty six was representative of the comics of that time, but then like by the seventies and eighties, like Batman had changed so much. Um, but the popular, I don't know if you can hear that. Is there a dog barking or something? Yeah, she, she's dreaming. Oh, <laughs> she's growling and dreaming in her. <laughs> can you hear it? A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. fine. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, can, I, can you really hear it? It's like I can hear it in the microphone. It's very faint, but yeah, yeah she, she's like squeak barking. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, I gotta bring it back. Uh, what was I saying? Um. Uh. Oh yeah. So it's when this damaged the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So so sixty six had damaged the brand, and, and so in the seventies and eighties, like that that had changed. Obviously, like with the Denny O'Neill stuff and um the dark Knight returns and Batman. I think Batman year one had come out at this point. I can't remember. Um, but 
it wasn't until like the 89 movie that really changed the public perception of Batman to where he was that dark Knight Avenger. Um, and the, uh, if Batman, the animated series coming a couple of years later, like really just brought that down to kids. I mean, even though I was a four year old and I saw the 89 movie. Um, and so like, it's kind of neat. I mean, it feels late because like 89 had been going on for so many years and now they're finally doing a Batman parody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Batman, the animated series, it was just out on Fox kids or it wasn't, it wasn't Fox kids yet. Um, but it was on, it was out on Fox and like absolutely crushing the turtles at this point, which is why they pivoted to the red sky season <laughs> coming up. So I, there's an extra feature on the DVD. That's an interview with like, a lot of the cartoon staff and specifically David wise. And he mentions that like he was the main story editor for several seasons. Mm. He took like a year off either from writing or, but definitely from like being the story editor and uh, Jack Mendelson became the story editor, but Jack Mendelson was very much a comedy writer. So like that's when it gets like very, very goofy and stuff. And then when David wise came back, he said, I very deliberately and maybe didn't succeed, but very deliberately tried to bring this back to being a, an action show. And you can really see it here with like the Dark Turtle and the Star Child. Like it, these are not like comedy shows anymore. It's very much about the action now. Yeah, yeah and it, and we've talked about we've talked about David Wise like having a million plots per episode. Oh yeah, um, you remember that one where like amnesia and took over a fireworks factory, and that like wasn't even the main plot. <laughs> That's how this yeah. episode felt. You know. <laughs> And so like, yeah. And so like, this episode does definitely like it, it feels like it has two different plots going on, but it's only two, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like there was no C plot. They're just two enormous plots. Yeah. Just two <laughs> very enormous plots. Episodes, um, yeah. But that, that's the thing I would say about these two episodes is that they do feel darker. And I feel like even like the coloring uh, is like kind of darker on these than yeah. they have been. I feel like the previous episodes were much brighter with their colors and with the way everything looked like a lot more of these are taking place at night. Yeah. Well, like, well again, like, well, I mean, those were the European seasons, unless you're talking about like, yeah, I'm talking about European, season. but also season five, I would say same thing or season yeah, six. It, I mean, it definitely like, as it went on through season five and six, it was getting more and more nighttime episodes, but like both of these take place in the dead of night. <laughs> like there's no yeah. light whatsoever. And, and it just feels darker. And maybe it is just juxtaposed to a season four. But I don't know. I, I want to say that it's even different from like five and six. Like it just it immediately feels different. Uh, so uh, there definitely was a very conscious choice to try and steer this away from being super comedy. And I don't know if David Wise had made that choice entirely by himself, or if there was also pressure from Eastman and Laird, or pressure from the Batman series being darker that had come out and still being watched by kids. Uh, but it is interesting that it does feel like it's already kind of heading in that direction. Yeah. It's, it's, it is neat to kind of see this shift. Um, it, it feels a little less mindless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last thing I had for this was uh, we didn't get a dark turtle figure specifically until NECA did it in part as part of the loot crates uh, last year. Uh, I have mine. Don't you have one, Keith? I do not. Oh, okay. So I, I have the Armagon. Yeah. Uh, I have. I don't have my Armagon. Really? So yeah, I have. I have Dark Turtle, Scrag, and Claw Shredder, but I don't have my Armagon yet. That sucks. Um, 
So yeah, that definitely sucks. Uh, but in the original Playmates toy line, they did not do one. Uh, did Burdon, which is kind of, pretty much the same. I mean, it's pretty much the same, but like that one's definitely not a Batman parody. But I do what I do like on the Super Don figure is that he has a T on his chest for Turtle, which isn't his name because he's Super Don. <laughs> but the the font of the T on his chest is the T in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, like the Turtles part of the TMNT yeah. logo. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just I just that's a neat little touch. I think they did the same on uh, the baseball Raphael's hat. He has that same uh, font for the T. Oh, did they really? I believe so. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, NECA toys, Zork is not named in this episode, but in the, he was only named in the toy, Xerax and Zork. In this episode, they only named the commander Xerax. Uh, who, I don't know if this is his first role in uh, Ninja Turtles, uh, but Zorax was played by Jess Harnell, who uh, was Wacko Warner on Animaniacs. Awesome. Yeah. My wife immediately picked up on that. I really, I love yeah. Jess Harnell so much. He, I've met, I've met him several times. Well, he um, he loves Fanex. He's here at our con every year. He'd run the Twisted Tunes panel where they'd like yeah. read, read scripts of like Disney movies and stuff with different voice actors. He's oh, he's so funny, and he's like he's such a like a rock star. Like yeah. yeah. Um, like the way he dresses, like it's leopard print leather at like, uh, just boots with like the sharpest points. Yeah. Um, but He's he, I, all of voice actors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so I, I met him cause I used to go to Rob Paulson's, um, he used to do, he used to record his podcast live, his talking tunes podcast. Um, so I would always go to like the Animaniacs show and like the Turtles one and just whatever I could catch. Um, and so I got talking to Jess Harnell and then like his uh, friend. Um, and they're in a band. Uh, uh, Chuck, Chuck Duran. Because um, I remember I talked to Chuck and Chuck was going to help me record my voice acting demo back when I used to want to do that. <laughs> um uh, they're in a band called Rock Sugar, which I just absolutely love. Uh, it is a cover band, but they specifically mash up pop music and like metal songs. And I mean, it's 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 stuff you've heard. Like mashups are very popular nowadays. Um, but like their first album, which I have, is um called Reimaginator, and it's like mashups of like it's called don't stop the sandman which is don't stop believing by journey and enter sandman by metallica nice um my favorite one is shook me like a prayer which is shook me all night long by acdc and then like a prayer by madonna <laughs> it's so good awesome pass. yeah i gotta send that to you guys because it's, it's 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 a fun album and it's like you you play that like super loud in your car as you're driving people are gonna like people start to like look at it or they're, they're like they're like oh yeah it's acdc and all of a sudden it switches to like madonna over acdc like music uh-huh so huh. 
So moving on to the Star Child. Uh, this is not the only character named Draco in Ninja Turtles. Later on, Draco would be a villain in the 2003 series. He's a dragon man instead of an alien. Uh, very different characters, but they share the same name, and I figured it was worth noting because I thought you were going to say I thought, I thought you were going to say he's going to come back in Red Sky, and I'm like, no, that's Draco yeah. with a G. Yeah. Oh, that's Dreg. Yeah, Dreg. that too. Lord Drake. Drago is uh, Kim Possible. Oh, I think right. Yes, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've watched Kim Possible. It's Shigo and what? Shigo and uh, Draken. Draken. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my phone ringtone. I got a message. Used to be the my new Power Rangers. The do 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 do. You know. And my wife thought it was the Kim Possible. Do 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 do. Yep, no, they're, they're so yeah. similar. Like I, I, yeah. but they're not. They're not even the same number of notes. And it went off in front of my brother-in-law. He's like, "Why do you have a Kim Possible ringtone?" I'm like, "Your entire family is full of idiots. This is our <laughs> Rangers." <laughs> no, no, there was no a... Keith, but <laughs> I used to work with a guy that that had that as his ringtone, and I thought it was a Kim Possible one for the longest time. And like I wanted to ask about it, but at the same time, I didn't want it to feel like I was like shaming him because it's like you do you, man. If you're into Kim Possible, I mean, Kim Possible is a great show. So, and so there was one time where I was just like, "Oh yeah, no, like I I remember liking it the few times I was able to watch it as a kid." But I finally asked someone like, "Is that like the Kim Possible ringtone? Like, is it just me?" Because it just surprised me, you know. And then someone explained to me that it was the Power Rangers one, and I was like, "Oh, that makes more sense." That makes more sense. Which, speaking of, you guys watched uh, the Power Rangers 30th anniversary special, the not, no. Once and Always. No, I haven't. It is if you didn't grow up on Power Rangers, it I would say it's kind of hard to like really appreciate it because it is very cheesy and cringy. I would say that applies to power rangers in general but yeah. that's just right but right but this is like <laughs> early 90s cringe ah like it captures that very well wow and it's just it's just really weird to see that in like hd <laughs> like 4k speaking of other things from the 90s though uh the star child Quirks was voiced by Elizabeth Daly, who is e. the voice. Daly, yep. Yeah, which is the voice of Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. Yes. I immediately was just like, I know this voice. I know oh, this yeah. voice. Where do I heard it? And I was like, Oh e. yeah. E. Daly has one of those like voices for cartoons that you can almost pick out anywhere. She like, also voiced a couple of characters in Rise. She did. Uh, she voiced uh, two of the uh, two of the people, Prairie Dog, and I forget the other one, um, Honey Badger. Honey Badger in the episode uh, in, the, in the band called Dig, and it was like a it was like a mutant band of like girls who were all like uh, digging animals. Like Honey, there was Honey Badger, Prairie Dog, and I forget the third one. Snake, but, <laughs> woodchuck, mole. But very, but it was, but it was funny. It was, it was nice to see, and I think this is one of E.G. Daly's like earliest roles, because this is this is pre Rugrats. Yeah, well, not to mention, I'm pretty sure she's voiced like every bratty little child ever in a cartoon. I mean, she's voiced a ton of them. So yeah, yeah. But also, like a lot strong. of like 
Um, a lot of, cause I follow her on TikTok, and she like, she's doing a series now where like, you know, you may not have known this was me. And she was like, uh, she was froggy in the little rascals. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh. she's like, you probably didn't know this was me. And she like plays the clip. and She's like, yeah, that's me. Wow. That's awesome. Um, what else we got? No swear, no crying this episode either. Um, we also get a, a small cameo of sorts. Um, the star child plays with Michelangelo's Bugman toys. We've seen Bugman a couple times. Yep. I thought it was funny. Uh, so Draco or Draco, however we're pronouncing that, uh, is played by Lord, uh, Lloyd here. Who <laughs> on TMNTpedia, um, on Tur- Turtlepedia, uh, when you go to Lloyd Shares page, it has a list listing for Captain Dread, and I was like, "That's a really weird misspelling." Uh, so then you go to it, and he is—that's an entirely different character. It doesn't even list <laughs> like on his page. No, it's not. It's so it's it's, it's Captain a different... Dread, not Lord Dreg. Yeah, it's Captain Captain Dread is an entirely different character from uh, Draco in this episode. Entirely different character. It's just yeah. funny on like Lloyd Shear's page on Turtlepedia uh, doesn't, li- doesn't link to that character. It only links to Captain Dread. Oh, okay. That's weird. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. We met um, Captain Dread yet? Is he going to be like... Uh, Captain a, Dread a is coming up this, uh, He's coming up this season. Okay. Is he one of the rogues we've never met, but is a rogue? Uh, I think, what did it say? I think he was in... Extraterrestrial Space Cyborg Pirate. Escape from the Planet of the Turtleoids. Ooh. Oh, that's coming up soon. Yeah. Ah, right. oh, man, I like what they're doing with the Planet of the Turtleoids. I hope we get, like, beneath the Planet of the Turtleoids, return to the Planet of the Turtleoids. Whole, whole uh, Planet of the Apes scenario. The end of the Planet of the Turtleoids. Yeah. The beginning of the end inside the planet of the turtleoids. Right? Yeah. We should write for television, guys. All right. Do we have any more second time around? Is, is... Uh, nope. Star Not Child possibly designed after another popular extraterrestrial who made like a billion dollars at the box office? E.T. Paul Stanley? Yeah. We're both right, is what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that Spencer, you didn't do that joke that we talked about last week. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was the joke? I totally forgot. I almost asked time. if I could switch you so I could do the joke where you were just going to read Paul Stanley's <laughs> Wikipedia page because I confused oh, Star Child and Star Man. I forgot. No, uh, no, too late. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Uh, I should have had that in my anchovies that, I, that you forgot. <laughs> that you forgot. Yeah, it's the biggest anchovy of all. Yeah. Speaking of anchovies. Let's, let's, let's go in. talk anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call legend law. So elementary, my dear turtle, uh, just a... <laughs> just a batty episode. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely awful. There, there are so many like weird, like awkward pauses of like silence and it just feels like so quiet and like it's, stilted it's all the time. It's so weird. Like, and, and this goes back to like um, some of the like the weirder animated episodes from like the early years, and it's just like it. This feels so strange, 
And like some of the character design, like the the Night Watchman, like he's got like a little beady, like a little beady, like he looks like a vault guy from Fallout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why? Like he's the only character that looks like that. Well, yeah. it's for some reason, like everyone from Sherlock Holmes time, like looks way different than normal Turtles animation. <laughs> I definitely think this was like, because there are way more like animation errors, like like multiple Leonardo's in one shot, multiple Raphael's stuff we haven't seen for a long time. Then like to your point about the sound, like like uh, Raphael like throws a sigh and it makes like a laser noise. And then like Michelangelo punches another another human and it clangs like two metal things clashing together. I think yeah. this was like like this was all the new guys working on a show. Like <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, like this episode feels like it was written by AI, like way before AI was yeah. a thing. Like it feels like someone asked AI to make a Ninja Turtles episode where they team up with Sherlock Holmes. And this was the result. <laughs> yeah. And there's, it's back to like, there's so many fade outs. It, it just like leaves silence and makes it feel disjointed. And then honestly, like way less Sherlock Holmes than I expected. Like, yeah. He's like, for, like the first act. And then like, they just leave him. Yeah. Cause like it's the turtles dealing with more. Well, I mean like they kind of become the detective at that point. But I think that kind of goes back to what James was saying about like how there was only like so much Sherlock Holmes they could kind of base him on. Yeah, but you would think like four stories is enough to have him like follow the turtles into the future. You know, I mean, yeah, like that. But but I mean, I don't know. I haven't read all of the Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Is there is there an old Sherlock book that where he does go into the future? I don't know. I but don't it's but yeah, like it is it is really weird that like the little episodes literally elementary might you know, my dear turtle, but he's only in it like at the beginning. I also yeah, like that everyone could tell what they have like a, it's called like the air, the air, air gun. gun or air, 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 gun, gun, or, air cane gun or something. Yeah. Something like and that. Everybody knows when it's about to go off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they all scream air cane gun and hit the deck. <laughs> yeah. What's the point of disguising it like a cane? If, if everyone can recognize it immediately for what it is. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes says it. The guy's across the street in in another building with both windows closed. He knows it's going to go off and shoot him. Yeah. I was like, I had to like rewind that. And I was like, how did he know? And it's just like, he just knows. Yeah, he just knows. Like, there's no, there's no like tell. And then Donatello does it later, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's because he's freaking Sherlock Holmes. He's yeah, bloody he Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Some thick plot armor. Yeah, something. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just a wild episode, uh, kind of, kind of just goes with the whole European mini season. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I took this episode from you, Spencer, so you could at least have a better episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely, like I said, these things got more off the wall with each episode. I would say that that holds true with elementary, my dear turtle. It was more off the wall, but also like just way worse than all the other ones. Like this was probably the worst episode of the season because of just how poorly it was made. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that harsh. Like I don't think. It, I don't think it's the out worst. Out of the whole European like, seasons. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst one. I, th- I mean, because there, there's for me, charming. I think that might go to Northern Lights Out. Yeah, I think Northern like, Lights Out is a way worse episode. But I don't know. I don't know if it's like worse or if it was just like it so hit me out of left field that I I didn't know how to feel about it at the time. Northern Lights Out mm. was like weird, but it was like weird in an entertaining way, and it kind of stayed entertaining and kind of exciting. 
This one, yeah. because of like all the stilted, weird, silent moments and everything else, like just made it feel like awkward the whole time. Well, we I mean, it just it. it just felt like it just felt like a bad episode of an early season, like animation wise. But I mean, the plot was at least interesting enough. Like it was crazy and weird, but it was like the time trap kind of like. I wish they had gone a little further. Like, yeah, because at one point they're just like Moriarty used a lightning storm to go to the future. And it's like, how? What? Yeah, I like. I (laughs) wish. Yeah, like I wish they had more time to kind of dive into certain things. So I think that's my that's another anchovy I have for it is that it's just kind of like a lot of it happen just just happens with like kind of no explanation like why does yeah. the atomic clock work on time travel by itself but then moriarty has to build a time machine to use it and then and then they don't need it for the time machine to take them and then they well because they time. didn't they didn't yeah. need it in the first place because it was already yeah. like it already took them back in time so it's like why why even have that so Man, Spencer, you're convincing me this yeah, might be the worst episode yeah it is it we're really talking is. About it. I mean, I don't, I don't know, because I mean, this is just little plot nitpicky things. So I don't, I don't think that kind of stuff makes it bad. Someone can be like, "Hey, he used a large plot." I mean, you you can hand wave it. I mean, it's a a atomic clock for some reason. I think you know what you know what would just made it better if it was Mm -hmm. a dream sequence. Like if it was all just Michelangelo, like I'm bored, and then like when he launched himself, we go back to that. He launches himself out of like a history lesson with a catapult and everyone's okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wow. just looks over and they're like, Oh yeah, look at that. He's just gonna... like, he like literally launched, like <laughs> gets into, I thought he was just going to like take a nap in it. Like, you know, like, oh, that's weird too, but like this, yeah. is shape, this is shape, like this is shape, like my shell. I can take a nap in it and have it launched. But it's like, no, he launches himself. Yeah. Like he chooses to do this. You know, it was a very surreal moment of the episode where I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> did I, that's one of those things where you're like, did I fall asleep? You know? Yeah. Because this can't possibly be what was written and then edited and then animated. <laughs> it does feel like someone should have woken up from a dream at the end of this episode. That would have made the whole thing tied together neatly. All plot holes are excused. It was all a dream. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. But they didn't do that, so it's the worst episode of the European vacation season, and I hold to that. <laughs> Should we? Maybe we'll do that after I love. I, I, I would like to just kind of discuss the European vacation as a whole, but let, let's keep going with anchovies, I guess. Right. Night of the Dark Turtle? Are we going to talk about that now? Yes. What a very odd episode to introduce the triceratons <laughs> yeah, and, just, and just have them be such the B plot. Yeah. It suffers from that classic, like too many plots thing that David wise kind of did. And yeah, they just, it's like, and suddenly like, the triceratons are showing up and you're like, wait a minute, but like Donatello going to fight Shredder alone, like you could have better emotional, I don't know, turtles clashing with the other turtle beats but instead you chose to just have them distracted by triceratons the whole episode yeah it, it just seems like a missed opportunity for me because i uh well you know we, we weren't talking about what we like i'll talk about that later but but yeah, yeah too many plots and like man this episode like it's hard to keep track of because you're just jumping from one point to another because there's like the shredder stuff 
There's a the main turtle stuff, and then there's the Donatello stuff, and they just like keep they'll do like two or three lines Shredder and the mobsters, then cut to two or three lines of the Triceratons and the turtles, and then cut to two or three lines of like the Dark Turtle beating up crooks, and they just keep doing that over and over and over until the episode ends. Like it's just all over the place. Yeah, yeah, like they they definitely kind of overplay the joke of Donatello beating someone up and being like, "Tell me where so and so is," and then comes back to him and he's beat up someone else and is going, tell me where so-and-so is. Like, yeah. clear until he gets to, to Shredder. Uh, and then from Shredder to... No, I think he, Shredder was the final person who's going to chuck him off, yeah. Shredder was the, the end of the chain. But it did get a little repetitive. Also, just the implication that Don could, like, end Shredder without everyone else if he just, like, I don't know, applied himself in gadgets... And, uh, you know, he's never, never does it again or before, really. You know, like, because that's implied by this. I wonder if Donatello, like, remembers his time as the Dark Turtle. It didn't seem like it. Like, does he, is it like amnesia or like Leonardo uh, when he turns into the Musca Turtle? Like, is that like just, just a memory thing? Like, he's just going to wake up like, huh? He kind of did, because it wasn't like, why am I wearing this strange costume? But then also, how, it's it's like, the Triceratons are scared because Donatello has an eye laser? Yeah, he's going full Kano. Like, yeah. you know? And it's like, he's very clearly not turning his head. <laughs> like, to, so that they can't see that it's not coming out of his eye. I mean, look, when when something's that destructive and it just looks like it's blasting out of someone's face, I'd just be straight out of there, too. No questions asked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we've had two different dinosaur races in the center of the Earth, and they still have to use robot dinosaurs from the museum. Yeah, yeah, they, they couldn't have gotten the, the dinosaurs from the center of the Earth, I guess. That would have no. taken too long. Not with the turtle blimp that can apparently get anywhere at any speed. True, it was a Florida, like no time at all. <laughs> Crazy episode. Ready for the Star Child? Yeah. That kid is annoying, man. I know it's I know it's Tommy Pickles, but man, I thought that kid was annoying. E.G. Daily does play a very annoying kid. <laughs> yeah. And this is at least the third telekinetic baby we've had on this show. I was gonna okay, so I was gonna yeah. say like it's it's not only the third telekinetic baby. It's like how many ha, how many episodes have we had where like it's it's a super destructive telekinetic baby and like another alien force is here to get that baby. Yes. And yeah. then I was like, uh, then when like Drac or Draco is telling the turtles about like the backstory of the Star Child and how like the star child is actually very destructive and has, and like, we're not trying to kill it. We're trying to like take it so that it stops other planets. I was like, Oh, that's an interesting curveball. Like that makes this a lot different than other episodes. And then Draco immediately is like, I'm going to take his power for my own. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> but it was still like an interesting enough twist to me. I well, don't know. I mean, like- it was, this was the best version of the telekinetic baby episodes. Yeah, yeah. it definitely, yeah. it definitely yeah. was. Um, but it was like, it was just a little disappointing that like, 
that's what I was saying. Like it, it immediately goes into that. But then I was also kind of genuinely surprised that like it was really only Draco who was the one that was after the power. Yeah. Because the other aliens like seemed to be cool with them. They were just like, we just want him to stop destroying our planets. Right. Well, I mean, it seemed like they were ready to destroy Earth and destroy him. So maybe they would have destroyed him. You know, I, I don't know. But so, OK, Gribix, um, the neutrino baby. Have there been other telekinetic baby episodes? I think it's just those two. I mean, granted that that's still like that means we're doing this a third time, you know. But I mean, like but, I'm kind of counting. I'm kind of counting. Th- those are like intergalactic things that showed up, and the turtles had to deal with. I'm kind of gonna lump Kerma in there. He's not a telekinetic yeah, a baby, though. No, but, but I'm I mean, saying the, in a, an intergalactic, an intergalactic yeah. annoyance that shows up. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, by that logic, it's like every other episode. <laughs> well, I mean, the uh, eyes of Sarnoth. Uh, Mr. Og. Yeah. Also, I th- I thought it was I thought it was funny that like all of the turtles kind of just don't want to go deal with the star baby or the star child in the ship. And Leo's the only one who's like, no, like he's, he's probably in trouble. We should probably go check him out. Yeah. And I wish they had called back to like, haven't we had enough with aliens? Cause like Donatello even kind of blows it off at one point when Michelangelo says like, there's an alien ship coming down and Donatello's like, yeah, right. Michelangelo. It's like, you guys literally fought the Triceratons last week. Yeah. <laughs> no, it should, they should make a comment. I feel like at this point, like again, like they did in the 2003 series. <laughs> All right. Do we have more anchovies or are we ready to um, move on to what we love? Splinter just pulled out the whole like ninja mind powers thing. I think it was a little out of left field. Like kind of a a MacGuffet. Uh, not MacGuffet. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a ASX. You know, machina. Yeah. Did he have a costume or something? Or was it was all just in his mind. I forget. It was straight up just mind trick. Like it was. Well, just no, like... he had a costume on. He did? Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. He pulled it off. Because when he goes, yeah, because when Donatello's like, "Hey, like the smoke bomb was a neat trick," and like it's Splinter in the costume of Starchild's dad, he pulls off the mask, and he yeah. pulls the mask off, and it's like, where did? Because like Splinter, Splinter in the episode, like when mm-hmm. when him and Donatello were on the ship talking about like how we're gonna stop the Starchild, Splinter's like, "I have an idea," and then walks off screen. He's like, "Follow me. I saw. I think I saw something here." Mm-hmm. And so I was, and so I was kind of like, and, and then when Splinter shows up, like as his dad, he's like glowing and I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. It's like a holographic projector kind of thing. And it's like, it's literally a Halloween costume yeah, of this kid's dad, which implies that that was on the <laughs> ship. Like his, he's traveling around with his dad's skin just <laughs> in the corner of a room. There's probably like a dummy there, you know, so this kid could remember what his dad looked like. You know, they they just believe in making complete 3D models. I was just like, this of, is uh, so dumb. Because <laughs> like we know Splinter has like mental powers. Like he's used his like, you know, what, what how many levels of Ninja Ninja Master was he? Like 12th uh, level Ninja Master? 12, 12, I mean, that's comic books is when they said that. Well, maybe they said that in, this, in the no, show. No, they, they said it in the show. Yeah, like they they said do, yeah. certain level because I remember making jokes about it, and so like yeah, it, it it's just kind of like huh, yeah, I hated that. Yeah, so like but like that like 
even that being a disguise is pretty out of left field. But he did say like it was a mind trick earlier. He said that like a mind con- a ninja mind control trick wouldn't work on him. He was straight up going to use a ninja mind control trick, which we've never seen before, which probably yeah. would be handy at several points. But also at the same point, this was kind of a ninja mind control trick because he made him yeah. think that he was his dad. <laughs> yes, True. no, exactly. Like he, because there's some other things in there that were a ninja mind power because he mentioned that. I think it was like maybe the glowing aura. And anyway, yeah. Point is, it was a very kind of a rushed, not my favorite way to uh, do that. I feel like they could have done it a better way, but. That's that. <laughs> what do we know? We're not TV writers. Nope. Now we can talk about what we did love, though. Oh, okay. Oh, I love being a turtle. All right, so I know I'm alone here, but I actually really did like Elementary, My Dear Turtle. I didn't think it was bad initially, but but looking back, but then we, it, it's I bad. Think it was, I think it was bad worse than I di- thought. It's yeah. bad when you dissect it. <laughs> Yeah. It's charming in the sense that like it it tries something neat with like creating the alternate universe where Moriarty did take over. Like I I like that and I think it I wish they had done something different with the resistance and it wasn't just April Byrne and Vernon. Yeah. Like I really I really think it was a missed opportunity to have it be Shredder. But I mean, I it, it's cute. It's a cute idea, or at least like not even having Irma there. Oh yeah, Irma's not there. Yeah, and then like the the splinter apple thing, like the seeds of uh, tom- or the plants of tomorrow, or like the apple core seeds of today, or whatever his whatever the uh, whatever the uh, fortune cookie is, he like. It, it's funny that like my April like very weirdly has an apple that she gives him and it's such like a prominent thing and Michelangelo eats the whole thing and then gives her back the core and they like explain it they like well we can't have evidence here so she puts it back in her purse so like it literally sets it up for it to show up later yeah that was crazy um I mentioned before all the animation errors in this but there's one it's got to be an error because Michelangelo pulls out his grappling hook, and, but he doesn't open it, but he still like, he just, he just, just swings it around. Okay, so it's like, I thought it was like the calm or something. Cause like, yeah, it's very, it's very much not a, um, like the turtle. Do we lose Mike? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. You cut out. Oh, I said, I said, it's very much not the turtle line. Oh yeah, I know. And he like he whips it around as though it's the turtle line, and then just chucks the whole thing at the guy. <laughs> did he swing it? Did he swing the rope part? No, he didn't. He, yeah. he has it in the palm of his hand, and he like and whips he, his arm yeah, around just... with it in his hand, and then throws it. But it seems like he's supposed to have a grappling hook or something to do that. But he just got the closed turtle com or turtle line, whichever it is, and throws it like that. <laughs> did we lose Spencer? No, I just I just don't have anything to say for this episode. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, fine. That's all the good stuff for Elementary, my dear turtle. I guess. So, what do you all think of the European vacation altogether? Was As it- a whole, it's silly. Um, is it the worst that the show has ever been? Maybe. I, I don't think so. 
It's not very strong. It's no, not. No, it's not. Very I strong. had higher I hopes for that. it. I had higher hopes for the European season, but also at the same time, I also didn't have high hopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my hopes were were pretty low. I just wish they that this had kind of met them. It did throw some fun curveballs at us, like you know, <laughs> I go back to it again the Greece episode just being an Atlantis thing because they couldn't they didn't want to do like Greek gods or anything. And the sort of Excalibur uh, episode was actually pretty decent. Yeah, I like that. One. Where they're think, hanging out I with Merlin. Where it hit was like when they actually used the locations as part of the story. Yeah. And not episodes where it was like, like what? The one where they're in Ireland and it has just like nothing to do. Like they barely mention leprechauns and they're like, uh, rainbow ray generator thing. Like, yeah. Like that, yeah, like yeah. those were the worst ones, I think. Yeah. But like this at least had fun with its location. Mm-hmm. But also, too, I, I said it last time, but I think this. This could have been a mir- like a Mirage comic. The Turtles meeting Sherlock Holmes. This could have been like a weird Tales of the TMNT or a guest issue book. I don't know. I would say that the Star Child I'd maybe see is maybe actually potentially all being three, something that would all be. All three of these, really. Well, may- maybe uh, not Night of the Dark Turtle. Night of the Dark Turtle, I don't think so. Well, the, yeah. not, the, not the superhero part of it, maybe. but Definitely the, uh, the Triceraton invasion part of it. Oh, the Tristan Innovation part 100% could be a part of the comics, but the, the, the other plot that, you know, was actually the main plot of it. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about like Night of the Dark Turtle that uh, I did like is, uh, I don't know, I actually could like Donnie's Vibration Detector. If, you know, if they're coming up in those like transport modules, uh, it's actually a decent idea for keeping tabs on Shredder that isn't some like BS, like whatever reader of weird energy or something else that's like this just seems super specific like if shredder keeps coming up in those transport modules causing like mini tremors and you have something to like specifically sense that that's actually a good way to be like oh shredder's coming and now that you know since shredder's constantly trying to do stuff it seems like a great way to actually keep tabs on him i I actually like that idea uh you know just means shredder's really stupid and incompetent if he keeps doing the same thing over and over again and the turtles can figure it out but nonetheless, it's a good idea on the turtles' part, and it makes them smart. Yeah. Well, Shredder's plan doesn't seem to be stealing something to power the Titanidrome this time either. It's he's like he's building a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I also I, like the Triceratons like bracelet bla- br- bl- bracelet blades that they had. Those were sweet. They were like they had like just blades that shoot out of the bracelets that are there, and they start fighting the turtles with them. I thought that was really cool. The, the The action in general is pretty strong in this episode. Uh, the action scenes were fun to watch. And I'd even argue that the first half is pretty strong. Like, I really liked Donatello going nuts and, like, the turtles kind of trying to, like, confront him on it. And the the parody of Batman is, is excellent with the way they had him voice act and talk and everything else. I thought it was oh, yeah. pretty entertaining that way. It was a great line where... They're telling Don they're telling Donatello that he's off his rock or whatever, and he says, "I'm saner than I ever was." And Raphael's like, "Well, you're staying here until it wears off." Yeah, <laughs> this is a good bit. It oh, was. I I forgot. I forgot my gag or my favorite, my favorite one of my favorite lines from Elementary Major Turtle was oh. when. Sorry, was I cutting out? 
No, go ahead. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from uh, Elementary, My Dear Turtle was like, Donatello's going to explain how they got there. And then Raphael's like, oh, a flashback? He's like, no, a dissolve. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a great, that was a great. Nice little fourth wall break. Yeah. All right, we ready for the Star Child? Yeah. I really like the reveal that uh, Draco was like the same race. I thought that was a pretty interesting part yeah that was i i thought he was faking it at first but i guess he like I guess took he a really yellow crayon and made a star on his head <laughs> listen listen i that the show goes places <laughs> yeah. so i honestly i i wouldn't have put it past him that he literally just drew a little star on his head yeah so i thought too it was cool to see like splinter helping I feel like he doesn't do that very much. I like that they try to make him hypnotize the kid because we see them hypnotize Michelangelo into not wanting to eat pizza. I remember <laughs> back when we said that, I was like, why doesn't he just hypnotize everyone? And yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> like, I crave destruction no more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I really liked this episode and it, and it was fun, like, giving Splinter, like, the non kind of martial arts thing to do. Like, he very specifically was, like, investigating the ship. And he even says, like, I found a file of uh, that could be useful. And it's like, it implies that Splinter's, like, hacking the computer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was cool. like, that's, that's neat for him to do. That's, that's an aspect of Splinter I would like to see more often. Like, I get that, like, it's funny to, like, oh, he watches his soap operas, but, like, I want to see Splinter do cool stuff like that. Like yeah. make Splinter a nerd in that way. Yeah. Like I, I would say this is actually a good episode. Like the, the ending kind of got a little wonky with Splinter dressing up like his dad and stuff, but it had a story that even though we have had telekinetic baby episodes before, this one felt more the most unique and like the best version of that story. Mm-hmm. Like it had like good themes with like, you know, this kid being innocent and, you know, him being, yes, dangerous, but like the turtles not backing down on their morals, you know, and being like, no, we gotta, we gotta help this kid. He is still just a child. Even if he's dangerous, we can, you know, help him and, and prevent him from having to die. Yeah. Like it, I don't know. It was just really good that way. Like it had, you know, moral quandaries and, and other things kind of with, with the whole thing. So I, I enjoyed it for that reason. Like it, it felt like uh, had more depth than yeah. everything else we've been been watching lately. <laughs> oh, there is there is a good bit. <laughs> you know, they're like trying not to get this kid to die, but the kid's like everybody hates me, and Michelangelo kind of tries to console him, but then Raphael's like, wait, 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 wait no, no, I, hate I hate him. him. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we all I hate. Like, like you all like, hate. Oh my me. god, that's so funny. And it's yeah. it's funny because like I feel like I've heard that lately. Like I, I feel like I saw that somewhere recently. Like I don't know if I saw it on like TikTok or something, but yeah, like fun stuff. So yeah, so three, one final episode of the European season, and the start of season seven is actually pretty strong. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So far. So I'm excited uh, to see where we go next. Keith, take us into the news because there is a lot tonight. Mm-hmm. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All right, so starting starting off today, uh, is currently going on in Las Vegas right now is CinemaCon, which is a big 
trade show for CinemaCon. all cinnamon con uh all for a trade show for movie studios to kind of show off their new stuff it's it's like e3 kind of but for uh for movies if anybody remembers what e3 was um and so today was paramount's uh big showcase where they showed off a bunch of new movies uh, coming up. Uh, they opened specifically opened the show this morning with uh, the new Transformers movie, Rise of the Beasts, uh, revealing that Unicron is the big bad guy of that, which what? seems, yeah, it's like you've, you just rebooted your universe. This is the second movie in that reboot universe and you're already on Unicron. Like that's, that's like making the second movie in your franchise about the dark Knight returns. Like you gotta get, you gotta build up to that. To be fair, though, the first movie was about Unicron. The no, the, the first ever Transformers movie was about Unicron. No, it wasn't. Oh no, the the animated movie, but that was after was after the cartoons had built had been around for a couple of years. All right. Anyway, like, that was that was an animated movie based in that world already. What I'm saying is like this one. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Transformers. We're here to talk about Turtles, um, which I was hoping we would get a trailer reveal just like that, uh, which we did not get, unfortunately. Uh, but the Turtles were there at CinemaCon. They've been doing kind of like a fun uh, like marketing blitz because I think it's taking place at, at like Caesars Palace. Um, so if you've ever been to Las Vegas, they have a thing called the Forum Shops, which are like really cool mall, like themed like Greek, you know, and Roman uh looks uh and so they have like statues of like you know like marble statues of that michelangelo or leonardo da vinci would have um done and they put like little turtles masks on them i thought that was cute anyway um (laughs) the the big build up to that was uh seth rogan seth rogan did come out and kind of introduced the new movie um and we they got to everybody who was there got to see an exclusive clip of the movie which uh thankfully uh io9 has written up here um it yeah so spoilers for the movie if you guys don't want to know um in three two one uh so the turtles meet Superfly, who seems to be the leader of the mutants in Mutant Mayhem. Uh, the turtles very specifically, like a- April, them and April are going after Superfly. They catch up to him. Uh, he opens up his van, and Bebop and Rocksteady come out of the van. Uh, and then after that, Superfly introduces the everybody to the rest of the crew. Uh, so Wingnut, Ray Filet, Leatherhead, Genghis, Scumbug, and Mondo are all working for superfly it seems uh there's a few other things in there so you can head over to io9 uh and read that there hopefully you skipped ahead at least you know 30 seconds and so the spoilers ended there um but yeah so that so that dropped today there wasn't anything new there's a couple pictures of merch or anything uh stuff there um but uh, i mean that's stuff that we'll all see in store soon uh, April's April takeover over at NECA was, uh, ended this week, uh, with kind of a big finale. Uh, we got our reveal of the brand new ultimate, uh, figure of April O'Neil, who it's been a couple of years since she's been in the toy line. So thankfully they are doing a brand new version of her. 
that kind of fixes some of the issues where people thought her head was too big and that her body was too short. Um, and so this is a brand new figure that, that addresses a lot of that, uh, by giving her a tiny head and a longer body. So, uh, Keith, I know you were looking at it. I've seen, I don't have an April. I've seen pictures and the memes and, yeah, it, there's a lot of memes right? because the neck seems to be incredibly long. Yeah, uh, it really does. It, I think it's, I think it's an angle thing. Um, but also, April in the show does have a really long neck. She uh, does. I personally think, and based on the photos that I've seen and the comparisons that I've seen, I think the torso is the same, at least the upper part of the torso. And I think the long neck is kind of what was hidden under the original big head. So I think they mm. kept that the same and then elongated at least the legs. So it's a taller figure in that sense because they changed some of the proportions. And she comes with a super sweet Aunt Agatha picture. Oh, and some kind of ferocious plant. I don't know if we've seen that yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we have. Hang on, I gotta look it up. Man. That's not ringing any bells. Usually, like, if you, like, show me a clip or something, it'll at least ring a bell and I'll know I've seen it, or if you, like, say something like that, but I don't think we've had Audrey 2 show up yet. Right. <laughs> so, that I believe... Hang on. I had to go look at my turtle display. Little shop. You know what? <laughs> you know what, Spencer? I associate that movie with Richard Simmons. All right. I don't uh, know why. And, well, now I, that I grabbed, now that I grabbed the plant that I was thinking about, I realized that you were talking about the other plants, the little Venus flytrap plant, not the other potted plant down at the bottom. Right. The other potted plant is uh, the is it Gasai plant? Yeah, it's the, it's the plant that she would like took a sniff of. And it was, oh, yeah, it was like yeah. poison. Yeah, but there's also like a, like Spencer was saying, there's an Audrey 2 plant. Yeah. Uh, they have a book called The Hare and the Tortoise, which just feels really weird to say. A uh, bunch of hands, two heads, a smiling one, uh, or sorry, three heads, a smiling one, a uh, normal face one, and a blindfolded one. Uh, she's got a Channel 6 microphone. A Channel 6 microphone hooks up to a recording device a camcorder, a large clamp to go around her uh, so you can capture April in a variety of positions, uh, and the Maltese hamster, which was also in her original uh, release, and her compact uh, turtle com. I hope, the, I hope the restraint doesn't awaken something in me. That's been kind of the <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Um so one of the things is uh, one of the pictures that because uh, this was a video that Nick had put up and also kind of cool. This is their hundredth tune uh, Ninja Turtles figure. Like wow. very specifically just the tune line. This is really? their hundredth one. Yeah, there are a hundred of those. So that's a that's pr that's a pretty good run for a toy line. Yeah, I'd say um, so. So what was cool about this is uh, one of the pictures that they showed in the video was April like interviewing Groundchuck, who's one of the larger mutant figures. Uh, and she is looking at him right directly in the eye, which Groundchuck is a lot taller than uh, a lot of other characters. 
So this really implies that. Yeah. And so that's the thing. So April, according to her model sheet is almost as tall as shredder. Oh, and shredder's huge. And shredder's supposed to shredder's at least supposed to be at least six feet tall. Uh, and April is just under him. So the original April figure was about the same height as the turtles who are some of the shortest characters in the toy line. So it's, this is definitely an upgrade and somebody over on the Foosh forums, uh, Foosh is a popular toy, uh, forum website. Um, somebody over there, uh, posted their, uh, original April and ground Chuck next to each other in kind of the same position. So you can get an idea of how much taller the new April is. Uh, and so she seems to be about a head taller, which I, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good in toy terms. So, uh, no release this yet. Uh, they have been saying that it is slated for 2023. So, uh, you know, hopefully we find out later this year. San Diego Comic-Con is coming up in a couple months, so we'll probably uh, find out more information there. Uh, we were looking at a picture uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I sent you guys of like a warehouse that had a bunch of NECA figures in it. Uh, and there was a pink box in there that I couldn't identify. Uh, and it turns out that this was this because not only did we get these photos, we saw like the box packaging, which would imply that this is a lot further along in production than anything else that they've shown so far. Because all of the other figures that we've seen for April's April Takeover have been uh, digital renders, mm-hmm. which is like very early production design. But like this is finished plastic. That That is a box. We saw several boxes. So pretty, pretty cool that that's so far along. Uh, later on, uh, Blaine, uh, from NECA who, uh, went on their Instagram live and, um, was just kind of doing a like a little impromptu, uh, kind of wrap up. Uh, but then he brought on Judith Hogue, um, to kind of talk some more and they started, uh, sharing a neat story about, um, about April, um, Judith had specifically talked about how like the iconic yellow jumpsuit and how she'd always wanted to wear one. She sees all these cosplayers wearing them uh, when she goes to conventions. And so she told a story that I don't think she's ever told before, at least like it's not one that we've heard. Um, But she talks about how there, her April was originally supposed to wear a jumpsuit at some point in the, in the 1990 movie uh, to the point where she was actually fitted for one. Uh, and so she had tried it out, but she, uh, it was a white jumpsuit and she made a point that like, you know, it was, you know, 1989 when they shot the movie. So it's not like they could just order the right one on Amazon and you know, it, it was an indie movie. So it's not like they could have a seamstress just make it. Uh, so she, so she said that she had suggested just dyeing it yellow, but when they did, it wound up shrinking too much. And she's like, then it wouldn't have been a PG movie at that point. <laughs> She's like a little, little, little too, a little too sexy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that kind of came up, uh, that kind of segued into what the live was about and where they introduced a, what they're calling a movie realization figure. Uh, so movie realization is a term that, uh, I've seen Bandai use, uh, Bandai Tamashi nations, like for their figures, um, where they're kind of based on like concept art or just kind of like real life characters in different realizations, like a different versions of them. So this specifically was, um, so they pulled out April O'Neil, 
uh, in a yellow jumpsuit. Uh, but then also it's kind of based on the arcade like cabinet April from the original arcade game. Um, because this April comes with an arcade cabinet, uh, specifically one that's ba- uh, called pizza time and it's got a uh, uh, pizza face on it. So it's a very popular game back then called burger time. One of my favorite arcade games uh, from that like original era. And yeah, uh, it's, it's really kind of a neat figure. Yeah. Like I, I haven't really, I don't know. It, it's not bad. I think it just kind of goes to show that the jumpsuit wouldn't have translated into live action very well, but that's just, well, me. okay. So, so true. also too, I, I kind of, I kind of didn't, uh, so Blaine had mentioned that he was just kind of working on a custom figure that he wanted to make. And so he took like the Judith Hogue head that they had already made and put it on their Ellen Ripley from aliens body where she's in a jumpsuit. And then he painted that yellow. Um, and so he brought that out like during the live and was kind of like showing that off. Um, and it does, it does look a little frumpy. Um, and even Judith kind of like made a point of it. Um, Mm. but Blaine specifically said that he, that this was like an early, early figure. Um, not something like it's not currently in production. Yeah. So, like, don't expect it to kind of look like this. Like he said, like specifically, they're going to go back and like adjust what they call the diaper, which is like the rubber um, diaper <laughs> that NECA figures wear. Yeah. So um, no information about that. I got to think that's like going to be a Comic-Con exclusive or something. Um, but I mean, I'd love to be wrong. I don't know if it's going to fit in the movie line. So it's going to be exclusive to Walmart, which would suck because it's kind of neat. And I, I wouldn't mind picking that up. All right, what else, what else we got for news this week? So um, with the on the IDW side of things, uh, IDW is the company that publishes Ninja Turtles comics. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast this long, you probably know that. But just in case you didn't. We've, we've talked about them a couple times. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of important to know that uh, because apparently they're undergoing massive restructuring, uh, which means yeah. they've laid off a large portion of people, like 40%. Was that? Yeah, so uh hang on, I find out what it was today. Uh so recently IDW um their parent company, IDW Media Holdings, um they had their investors call and kind of talked about restructuring. Uh IDW's kind of I don't want to say floundering, but IDW's been having some trouble over the years. Um you know, they recently just lost Transformers and G.I. Joe, which were some of their biggest comics. Um, and so like that kind of took a hit. But I mean, they they were, you know, they still have they still have Star Trek. They still have Turtles. They have Sonic. Um, they have a lot of brands. Um, and so uh, with this uh, news, IDW is kind of going through a major restructuring. They uh, so part of that means that they've cut approximately 39% of their workforce, which is a huge, (laughs) a very big uh, chunk of the people making the comics over there. And not even just the people making comics, but the people behind the scenes um, who do this kind of stuff. So uh, including some people that we know personally uh, have been let go. Um, so it really it really sucks to hear that happen to a company that you love so much um because you know you don't you don't like to see anybody lose their jobs 
Um, and because they create the stuff that we like, because I mean, I, I read a lot of W comics. That was my uh, comic app where I track everything that I buy. And it's like a majority of that is IDW. Um, not even, I mean, that's, but it's not just turtles. Like it's, it's, I mean, the majority is turtles, but you know, I was buying the Sonic comic for, for a while I was buying. Um, they have a lot of like just five issue runs of books. Like they relaunched the danger girl series, which I was a big fan of back in the late nineties. Like, um, so, so it really sucks to hear that. Um, and so Tom Waltz, who, you know, the mastermind behind IDW team and T, uh, he's also kind of affected by this. And so his position at IDW, uh, is gone as of May 12th. He said on, on Twitter and his Facebook earlier today. Um, but he'll still be around to finish up, you know, last Ronin and anywhere else that the turtles go, he's still going to be the main consultant. Like he's got that worked into his contract, which is good. Uh, yeah. but he just won't be exclusively working for IDW, um, which Spencer, you were saying earlier that like, that's kind of a good thing for him. Yeah. For him. Cause he, he's now freelance. And so he, he's a freelance contract consulting and working with turtles, working on the last Ronin and all that, that he's already worked out according to his post, but now he can go work for other companies. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, will Tom Waltz go to somewhere like image or, uh, you know, maybe even Marvel shoot for shoot for the stars, you know, Marvel or DC, um, who knows? Yeah. Well, I did say shoot for the stars in Marvel and DC. Yeah. I, I'm more of a DC guy myself. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I mean, and so if you're, you know, if you, if you work at IDW and you happen to listen to our show, like, you know, our hearts go out to you. It's, it, it sucks like that. That sucks that that affects you. Um, you know, we, we hear, you know, at digital power hour, we want the best for you. We, and I hope that you guys land on your feet and I hope that you get to make that dream project that you've always wanted to do wherever you land. Yeah. Like, and hopefully it's, it's more like the Tom Waltz situation where, you know, maybe you're a bit more freelance, but still able to do work. That would be the best situation I think for most people. But you know, if not, hopefully, like you said, we land on, you land on your feet and, and are able to find work somewhere. All right. Any other news we need to go through? Uh, I don't think so. We do talk a little bit more about that news in the uh, in the bonus content because we were talking about it before the episode started. So if you want <laughs> yeah, a little bit more a, in depth discussion, this, you'll get this it. Is a, if you listen to the whole episode, this is a really long one. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as we're recording this, we're, we're like we're over two hours of recording so far. So yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We love you. Uh, we want to hear from you. So let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of the show this week um, and our IDW discussion afterwards. Uh, let us know Ninja Turtle Power Hour, Ninja Turtle PH on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Spencer, what are we doing next time? Next time we're covering Season 7, Episodes 16, 17, and 18. Uh, you know, unless you don't include the European season, then it would be actually be like uh, three, four, and five. Three, four, and five. Yeah. yeah. Which is the Legend of Koji Convicts? Excuse me, the Legend of Koji Convicts from Dimension X and White Belt Black Heart. Those sound awesome. They do. So that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, Cowbunga dudes. Cowabunga. Hot soup.
Uh, I will take convicts. Convicts from Dimension X. Spencer, do you want um, what are the old ones? White belt, black heart, or the Legend of Koji? Uh, the Legend of Koji sounds interesting. I guess I'll Wait, take do you that know who one. Koji is? Nope. I don't either. Me neither. But we'll find out next week. Morgan right, I legend. gotta open up some windows because it's getting hot in California again. Yeah, it's it's getting hot in the room I'm in. It's the reptile. Spencer, you room. said you're out next week, correct? Yes, so I guess it won't be next oh, week. Oh, we we're yeah, taking we did. a break. Whoops. You wanna do that last part again? I think it'll be alright. Uh, nah, I think it'll just be put okay. Put something on the Instagram, we'll call it good. Yeah. We'll just throw stuff up on the socials being like, we're taking a break, but you know, we'll cover those All episodes right. we talked about next week. And I'll also just leave this in as bonus content for uh, the faithful <laughs> listener at the very end. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. See you guys. The, uh, they're calling it movie realization, which is something that like Bandai does for their action figures when they do like concepts for um, figures that weren't in the movies. They call them movie realizations. Excuse me. Got the hiccups. Um, and so it's like, it's movie April, but in like a, um, in a jumpsuit and Judith Hogue had like, yeah. come on, um, NECA's Instagram to like talk about, um, it was a cool story. How about how, like they wanted to do the jumpsuit in the original movie, but you know, because it was an indie movie in the eighties when they filmed it, they, you know, Amazon wasn't a thing, so they couldn't just order a jumpsuit. Um, so they bought one and then it was white. So they tried dyeing it yellow, but then it shrunk. And so she couldn't wear it anymore. Hmm. Wow. I've never heard that. That's awesome. Yeah. I hadn't heard that story either, but she told it. Um, so I don't know if she made it up for this or, or what, but, um, yeah, I mean, jumpsuits don't look that good anyway, so it's probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, it's, it well, was a I mean, strange idea for the show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because it, it's because, like, Ripley from Aliens had made it so popular. Yeah. Like, um, and then so Blaine from NECA was like, oh, he's like, I've, he's like, I was actually kind of working on a custom figure. Like, he took the Judith Hogue head and put it on the NECA Ripley body, like, with the jumpsuit on and painted it yellow. And then he's like, oh, I posted it to my Instagram. And then Randy yelled at me. Uh, he's like, we weren't ready to reveal that. And, and uh, Blaine was like, I didn't know we were doing this. Huh. And so. Um, so they showed off like the box and. Um, it's it's kind of like a mis- mishmash of like the arcade April, like the one on the on the side of the arcade machine. Because, like, she comes with a camera, but it's very specifically, like, that prop camera. And then she comes in with an arcade cabinet uh, that called Pizza Time, and it's got Pizza Faces uh, look on it. But it's done in that, like, kind of, like, 80s Mario Donkey Kong kind of look. Hmm. So it's it's neat. It's a neat-looking thing. Um, do I need it? I don't think so, but... Yeah. 
I don't know. So far, the the line that comes, like I've heard that the toys aren't you know up to snuff with NECA and everything else. But well, I mean, so far for me, the one that's kicking butt on covering the stuff that that I want to buy figures of is uh, the Loyal Subjects figures. Their best action line. I mean, we're talking Urban Legends, Casey Jones, right? You know, that's IDW so cool. Turtles. I yeah. just I can't get over it. That's pretty. It's really neat that they're doing that. I also kind of want to get some of the the Mirage ones from NECA though, because those are also really cool. I just never well, do. You'll just have yeah. to wait. Uh, I just need to get some TCRI. I need to get a TCRI alien, you know, a new Trom figure. I just got one. They're hitting targets now. Oh, sweet! Yeah, I mean, it I, looks so cool. I haven't op- I haven't opened him yet. He's right here. Um, like, he's cool. Zog's super cool. Zog course, is great. Detroit is cool. I bought Zog, and within like 30 minutes, my wife tried to buy something, and I was like, I don't know if we need that. She's like, you just spent 50 bucks on a big plastic dinosaur, so we're going to get this. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. That me uh, my wife saw him on my <laughs> desk today, and she's like, she's like, you got a big dinosaur on your desk. And then I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. And I pulled off, um, I had Sauron from Marvel, like the oh, Tyrannosaur yeah. man. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I pulled him off my desk. I was like, oh, yeah, this is Sauron. He's uh, from the X-Men and blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, the other dinosaur. I was like, oh. Uh, and I pulled up like my Crocker figure, like it was, like the Leatherhead one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, dinosaurs are on your desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so three, because then, then I then she's like, no, the she's like the one that look, uh, looks like Sarah's dad, Sarah from uh, Lamb Before Time. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, that's Zog the Triceraton. Man, yeah, I mean it's man, it's such a cool figure, and I love the character. Makes me excited that we're getting closer to covering the 2003 series. It's funny because like I was, um, there's a there's a YouTuber I really like called uh, D Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just I mean, he dude needs way more love because um, his photography is incredible. Um, but he does really good um, posing on his action figures for, for the photos, especially. Um, and so he just reviewed Zog and I was like, Oh cool. I'm going to watch it. Um, and get some ideas on how to pose this thing. Cause it's like, do you get, do you guys have, have Zog? Like I know Keith, I know, I know you do, right? I don't yeah. No, I say I need to get him. I, gotcha. I need to get him. I need to, get, I, I, I should buy action figures. I don't know. I'm slowly starting to break. The problem is, is I'm now I'm like, I'm, going to be dumping my money tomorrow on uh on the new jedi video game so we're gonna yep. be dark next week yeah okay kind of want to see if jason will give me the week off but we'll, we'll have to talk about CinemaCon. yeah it's kind of sort of some big reveals um and then we got to close out with uh idw ah uh, yes the that's insane news yeah, James sent me the thing, and uh, I gotta pull it up. It's on Bleeding Cool. Because I know IDW's had a bunch of troubles over the past mm-hmm. few years, but yeah, 40%. For several years, I've heard they're like circling the drain. Um, yeah, like back, it's in, like, back in like 2018, I was hearing that. Yeah, like. That's the thing is, like, I kept hearing that, and so I thought maybe it was kind of bullcrap, you know, that yeah, it was just same. like. But yeah, it, uh, it's kind of it's kind of like how everybody's been saying GameStop's gonna go under. And it's yeah, like. Yeah. People have been saying that since like 2015. Like, yeah, probably. The first time I walked into a GameStop, they're like, "We're about to close," and that was like 18 years ago. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, 
and it's like, gr- granted, they're not the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it it does suck because it's like, but but like it's one of those things where like you always hear people sit and say it, and usually it's like, I don't know, like usually it just feels kind of disingenuous, like you know for whatever reason they uh you know don't like the company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because it always feels like it's the people that hate the company that are saying that stuff. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of just have to like, eh, like whatever. Because um, there there are plenty of disingenuous fanboys on the internet that will like say that you know, like like the people that are always just like, oh, Western comics are dying or American yeah. comics are dying. Yeah. In, va- in fact, like, somebody was doing that on. God, who's. I think it was on IDW, like a, a post IDW had made earlier today. Or no, it was to it was to Gail Simone, who's a very famous comic book writer. Yeah. Um, they were like in her replies, like saying that people people like were moving away from American comics, going to manga, and it's like, bro, like she knows. Like, you're arguing with the person who's. Uh, very like granted she's not a salesperson but she's very much in no for comic books so well it's also funny because like we sit and say like moving away but it's not really like the two are like in this competition with each other yeah like and not to mention comics are comics and so like people liking manga can get into like I mean, I do say that manga outselling you know our normal American comic books is just indicative of how hard it is to get into comic books because it's not easy and it's not nearly as accessible as manga is. Um, you know, I mean, even the apps for reading, you know, DC and Marvel, their subscription services cost way more than Shonen Jump does than the Shonen Jump service. Like, of course, more people are reading manga than they are comic books you also don't have the whole convoluted history of like oh man i want to start at the beginning but there's no way i can start at the beginning but i'm still going to have these characters pulling from their history (laughs) you know yeah i'm on uh technodrome forums because we were talking about that kind of fan and yep there's already a post about it and there's already somebody who's talking about it's their woke agenda yeah what to to lay off half of IDW? It's it's the woke agenda is why IDW is failing. Go woke, go broke thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. So they're they're taking this as a win. That's what you get for making <clears throat> G.I. Joe comics. Yeah, for making for adding a female character to a G.I. Joe comic or whatever it is that you know whatever it is that they decide to call call woke and political at at that time. As if comics never had a political statement ever made in them, ever. There's a it's whole so, classification of comics for that. It's so dumb. Oh, God, I wish I was. I well, wish I hadn't I gone down this rabbit hole of reading it. Um, it's so stupid because they're like, this guy's like. TMNT's due for a relaunch. And it's like, you just want them. You just want them to tell the same stories again. I mean, like, yeah, there's some of that, and there's also some people that, I mean, I know there's plenty of people out there that, you know, they want Mirage back. They want the turtles killing people again, uh, et cetera. Um, and anyway, uh, and granted, like, I, I like those stories. You know, I like the last Ronin and stuff where, granted, you know, we now have the last Ronin. 
But I don't know, I just, it just kind of amazes me that there's not people who don't get tired of it kind of just restarting over and over again. Yeah, like, I would be heartbroken if they cancel, like, the IDW series and then, like, so, like they restart it or some other company picks it up and we get, like, City at War again. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't mind stories like that as long as you put, you know, a new enough twist on it. But at the same time, like, I'd, like, I'd want it to be continuing something because I'm just kind of tired of... Well, it's like, I don't want to... Okay, so, like, IDW is such a good, like, melting pot of everything. Yeah. That it's like, if we start over again it's going to be a new melting pot because whoever starts writing it next is going to want to include the neutrinos is going to want to include Archie stuff. It's like, I just, I don't want that again. Like I, and granted, yeah, like it, it's weird, but also kind of cool that IDW is in this position where they can like where they're telling stories that have never been told before with the turtles. Like, yeah. And I just, I don't want to lose that, but also at the same time, it does suck for older or for new people who want to like get into the book for the first time to be like, to come in and be like, okay, well why is shredder a good guy kind of thing? Yeah. And like, like, I, I can understand why it'd be harder to bring in a new writer that is someone that classically loves Ninja Turtles and is like, but I wanted to play with Shredder and Krang, you know, and, and all these different pieces and, you know, all these different toys and, and those toys are gone now. Yeah. And, and that, that does suck. Um, if you're a new, you know, writer coming into, coming into this and I get that. Um, I just, I don't want to say I don't have sympathy for it because I, I mean, I do like, but it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to lose what we've got with IDW because it's such, it's such like, I don't want to say it's like a magical kind of thing, but like it's, it's such a unique thing, I guess to say. Is it the longest running thing too? Cause like it's outlasted the original cartoon at this point too, hasn't it? I don't know if it's the long, I mean, it's been, I mean, it's 12 it's years been, old. Yeah. It's um, been going for 12 years. It's been going for 12 years. It, it it surpassed Mirage like a long time ago. So, yeah, it's like the longest running Ninja Turtles thing we've had going. I mean, and, and, I mean, maybe if you want to start including, if you think if you, if you include all the different volumes of Mirage, it's maybe past that now if you want to talk about every single issue and side issue that's come out. Oh, yeah. Like yeah even... if, we're, if we're counting all comics, that, like you think of all the like side series and... Uh... Well, Mirage Mirage didn't have that many side series. I'm I'm saying IDW has had a ton. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. No, I mean, but even but even just the even just the monthly issue. Yeah. 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 You know, one thirty nine is coming out or came out yesterday, and that I mean, no other turtle series has gone that much. Yeah, it's almost doubled Archie at this point. Yeah. And but that's the thing is like is it's done that and I don't know it's just like. For for someone who's been a fan of watching and like just like all of the Ninja Turtles and has kind of taken a whole lot of it in, there's still so much more that you can pull from and do, you know, if Nickel lets you apparently. But still there's so much more that you can pull from and, and use from either the original comics or, you know, the other animated series that have come out. 
you know, I mean, you've got characters you could bring in, like, like you could just make Dr. Dome straight up just like a Ninja Turtle. Like from, from Mirage. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you Or could... from the 87 series. There was a different or... Dr. Dome. Yeah. yeah. He did have a brief cameo thing. Yeah. <laughs> and or then... Don Tritelli. Yeah. Don... Any, any or all of uh, the random one-off uh, mobsters, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, which, they already which, did have Boozerelli. Which we got a new one. Yes, I know. We got yet another one. What, Fox something? Wolf Wolf Jackson. Wolf Jackson, that was it. I mean, they did already have Poonzarelli. Like, if they're going to have the mob, like, I don't know, have it just be yeah. one mob and one mob boss. <clears> uh, you know, more than that's too many, in my opinion. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, you could do something with the mob. Um Pimico, like you can straight up have, like, daughter of Oroku Saki and Karai that's been around since you know before Shredder died, like clear back in in ancient Japan before he like preserved himself and the the ooze and everything. Like you can have her be there and like want to be accepted in the pantheon and start like causing all sorts of chaos or some sort of power move or something like that to to become accepted or to get attention, you know, try and reclaim the foot or something, or claim, you know, control of the foot or something and have her have like, you know, magical powers and be a ninja and stuff. Like, you, I don't know. There, there's lots of different things that you could do, you yeah. know, and pull from still. So I just, you know, it just seems like a shame if we were to discard that and just be like, you know what? All anybody wants is Shredder and Krang. We're restarting again. Yeah. I don't know. It would bum me out. I'll be bit. real bummed if uh, IDW doesn't get like a proper closure ending. You know, like if it was just canceled like tomorrow, that yeah, would be awful. You know, I I gotta think that it's. I mean, it's it's very specifically framed as they're restructuring. So like they they ha- like there's a plan in place to save the company. Like the company is not going under. This is something that that a lot of companies do. Like Disney's doing it right now. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's, I'm not worried about IDW going under. I'm more sad about everybody leaving. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Which, I mean, I, I haven't personally, like, you know, DM'd anybody. Like, I haven't DM'd Sarah or anybody else we know. But, like, Tom posted, um, and then I heard in the Bleeding Cool article, it does mention that Keith... Um, is gone. So bummer. Or it, that Keith Keith's emails are bouncing, which oh, isn't yeah, a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, what an awkward day to have server issues. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah, so other other than like Tom's post, um like we don't know anything. We don't know if Sophie's still around, we don't know. I mean, I imagine most of them will probably be on there as free, probably have switched, like, I imagine Sophie probably yeah. switched contracts to, like, a freelance contract. And, I don't know, I kind of, I mentioned it in our messages before, but honestly, it sounds like if you want to kind of spread your wings and and write more than just stuff at IDW, that this is, like, great for Tom. Like, he could, you know, if yeah. Marvel is interested, or DC, or any other publishing company out there, is interested in having him write a book. Yeah. Like he can, he can write a book, you know, and he did great on Ninja Turtles. He's, he was a part of the last Ronin. Uh, 
uh, I think that it would, you know, companies would be dumb to just kind of overlook him and not, and not use him as a writer. Not to mention, you know, if he goes and starts writing somewhere else and people are like, oh, wow, holy cow, who's this guy? I really love this. And then yeah. they, you know, are like, oh, what, what? He already wrote a whole ton of stories for Ninja Turtles and they can, you know, more people can get into Ninja Turtle comics. Ninja Turtles, I hate those guys. I love, I love this podcast because no matter what, we can just whore out Tom Waltz. Be like, go, get us more Ninja Turtles fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, like, just just for Tom Waltz himself, like, it's, it's it seems like a great opportunity for him. Not to mention, I'm excited for what he has to write next because so far, I've liked everything he's ever worked on. Yeah, like definitely one of my favorite comic book writers. It's like I get, I always get like even now we've talked about having him back on the show, and I get like anxious, you know, like anxious. Yeah, I wonder if I got to DM him now. now instead, to him. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder Probably. if I got to DM him because of his email still working. Yeah, so is the last of the Armageddon game out now? No. no. Um, it, uh, Armageddon game number eight is dropping That's either right. either, either next month or June. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I saw but, uh, seven dropped. I thought that was the end of it, but there's eight. Well, if you follow eight. us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, you would have seen I posted what issues were dropping. Well, I did. I saw seven, and I thought that was the end of it. No. I was mistaken, is what I'm saying. Ah. Uh, yeah, eight is the end of it, but it I, I've read the most That's recent. Uh, 139 apparently is Pharaoh Pay's last issue, so know. we're gonna have we're gonna have a new regular artist on 140. Have we seen who that is yet? It I don't think so. Already be known I mean, by now. Yeah, I mean the solicitation should have come out months ago. Yeah, looking. Yeah, me too. I'm on previews. Is it going to be Vincenzo? Evan Smith. Evan Smith. Gavin Smith. Gavin Smith. I have not heard that name before. I haven't either, but the cover looks sweet. It's like an homage to the issue one. Yeah. It's got I've Chinica, seen the they all look real sad. Yeah. Do they got oh. him on it too? Yeah, that, that's his art. Is that his art on the cover? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I it's meant his... to say. I don't know why it came out the way it did. Yeah, it's cool. Man. It's... The turtles are all wearing pants? Dare they? I want my turtle strictly without pants. Oh, they he did remember uh, Donnie's shell. Donnie's yeah, she remembered the metal shell and the metal bow staff. He's got yep. the metal bow again. I didn't think I, his I, shell was metal. I like this yeah. guy already. I thought it was just a new, but that's cool. Well, I, I mean, the, well, that's that's been the problem is some artists draw it as like a normal shell and, and others remember that it was made out of metal. I guess I thought it was staff. some sort of organic material, but yeah, and his bow staff was made of metal, too. And that I remember like, yeah. because you've mentioned it before. <laughs> I mention yeah. it all the time because yeah. it's a detail I love because you always have people who are like, oh, it's just a stick. Oh, man, how's he destroying robots? Well, it's metal well, now. Now it makes fair, sense. Yeah, it's a metal stick, but yeah. Now, now it's a metal rod that he's spinning around. All right, <laughs> one of the one of those like little spring spring loaded staffs. Have you seen those? I have. <laughs> those ones that they're selling as like self defense things, but they're like literally aluminum rods. Yeah. No, I you'd you'd fare much better with like a stick of of conduit than you would with one of those 
But you'd, you'd fare better with like a wooden broom handle. <laughs> yeah, you'd fare better with a wooden broom handle. Uh, Keith, have you seen those? I don't think so. They're like, um, they sell them as like self-defense tools, but they're like literally like little spring-loaded metal like coils. Yeah, like you'll go to the website and it's totally like a what are they called? Like drop shippers. It's totally, yeah. it's totally like a a drop shipper thing. Like these people probably order like a thousand of them off of AliExpress and then sell them for like thirty bucks on these really crappy, sketchy-looking websites. You know? Yeah, but. Drop shipping, you know, you buy stuff off of AliExpress that maybe you can at least make photograph really nice, right? Yeah, and like you, it's uh, cool, and it's like if if I was cosplaying like Robin or you know Gambit or somebody, like that would be a cool prop. But as like a genuine self defense tool, like there's a guy I follow on um uh TikTok who's like a weapons expert, and he like he's like, well, he's like. Yeah, somebody said I because he hit a piece of wood with it last time. He's like, some people complain that you know I hit a piece of wood and that was too tough for this. So he's like, here's a literal sofa cushion off of my couch, and it's still bent. <laughs> well, what you gotta do how how you use it as a self defense weapon is you make it spring right into their eye. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the self defense thing. It's also really sharp because it's aluminum coils. <laughs> Yeah. So if you touch the edge wrong, whew. you get them in the face, boom, you know, they're, they're probably a solid distracted, you know, distracted enough for you to kick, kick them, you know, kick them in the yeah. balls or something for sure. Kick them in the balls, kick them in the balls. Look, I'm not fighting fair. You know, if you're, if you're trying yeah. to mug me, you're getting kicked in the balls. Just saying. I mean, that day. Yeah. If it's a life or death situation, I'm not fighting fair. Mm-mm, no way. No right. shame in that. <laughs> uh, so I think that's all the news. Um, let's uh, get the show on the road. Yeah, just take that and put it at the end <clears throat> after I sing. We'll call it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kind of <laughs> almost had the entire news discussion there. Well, I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be abbreviated. Like I don't want we won't go into as much as we talked about with IDW. But yeah, uh, it, we'll maybe just mention that there's even more about this subject in the in the uh, yeah. In the bonus content. Yeah. <clears throat> Clip the part specifically where we talk about kicking people in the balls and just. <laughs> oh, keep it in. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm told. I'm, what I'm saying is clipping that and like putting that at the beginning, using it for oh, promo on TikTok, you know, specifically <laughs> that part. Got it. That's what'll get people to listen to the show. Got it. Yeah. <laughs>